0: Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. You're welcome. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. I mean, really, you're welcome. Like, if you're listening to this in the future, you're really welcome. This was a, this might have been the death of me. If you're listening to this in the future and there's no further episodes past this series, this is why. mm. Chapter 16, we're 82% of the way through this book. Let me get my nanny voice on. Pastor asked me to see if you were mentor in the debutante pageant this year, nanny asked. as She moved around the kitchen, preparing a meal fit for a king. As Alani sat at the table, writing in her journal, Alani's pen paused as she looked back at her aunt That doesn't sound like my idea of a good time Being around all those mothers with their daughters Nanny removed her silver pants from the oven And placed them on top of the stove Well, I already told them yes All that money the church donated when you was in need You better have your butt down there tomorrow for the rehearsal There are a lot of girls who need mentors Everybody don't have a mother to participate with I'm sure whoever you get will appreciate you. And girl, get your narrow tail up and come help me with something. You invite a man over your house for dinner and got me fixing it, she fussed. A horn honked outside. Nanny went to grab her purse. Now, I'm going down to the bingo hall with Mr. Larry. I'll see you later. Okay, we're six weeks past the funeral and the uh, cochlear implants. No, no, I'm not doing nothing that involves anybody's daughters or anybody's children for the foreseeable future or the unforeseeable future. Matter of fact, I might just retire from other people's kids. Um, When my son, Kid Awesome, was having open heart surgery and I didn't think he. When my son was having open heart surgery the lead up to it where we didn't know what the recovery rate would be and the success rate I didn't want to coach basketball anymore I didn't want to be around other people's kids anymore I didn't I didn't want to be around people who were happy with their kids like I understand people getting upset when you tell them that they have to move on and it's a valid anger when you tell them that they have to do something that you've never had to do before when i told one of my friends that i was considering walking away from coaching basketball which i've done for 16 years now almost 17 years 17 years actually um he was like don't do that because these kids need you and I'm thinking, fuck these kids. My son needs me. Why do I want to be around basketball when it's just going to make me think about what my son can't do anymore? Why do I want to be around track if it's going to be around things my son can't do anymore? Yes, it's selfish, but I don't give a fuck. And Alani is right to be selfish like that. Um. Also, the coach the, the coach, the church didn't donate shit. Did they? Like, yeah, you forced the people to stand up and walk around the circle and put something into the offering plate while you played the organ loudly and nobody was allowed to talk. But Ethic was the one who donated $30,000. Church don't get credit for that. The funeral director just walked into the church to give you the money. I ain't helping these people with shit. No. No. And you're cooking a meal fit for a king, and I'm thinking it's for Alani, and then I find out that it's actually for Ethic. That's all right. That's like when my kids have a uh, an assignment due the next day. Not now, but when he was in like fifth grade, sixth grade, when my daughters were younger, when my son, my eldest son, was younger, they'd be like, "I need help with this," and they go to their mom. They wouldn't go to me because they knew. That by going to their mom and ask for help, eventually their mom was going to do all the fucking work. My answer was no. But their mom's answer was, let me help you understand this better. And then she'd do it. And they knew that. So they'd go to her. It wasn't like first second grade when they were learning how to read and shit. It was like seventh and eighth grade, fifth and sixth grade when it was a project. She'd undertake the whole thing. Virgos, man alani kissed her aunt's cheek and walked her to the door and don't you let them biscuits burn i won't alani called alani checked her watch it was almost time for ethic to arrive they're gonna fuck that's why the house is empty she had cleaned her house from top to bottom but it was only so much shining she could do to an old shoe her house was worn and old but it was clean and she hoped ethic didn't judge her he's not gonna judge you y'all are gonna fuck and then he's gonna buy you a house it was clear he was used to living a certain lifestyle. Y'all know that song. Uh, mm, I don't know the words, but it ends in lifestyle. I always said that would have been a perfect song for that condom company. That's just me, though. He had blown 60000 on her without batting an eye. She didn't come from that. Spending the sixty it had taken to put together tonight's meal had been a big decision for her and she would have to eat the leftovers for days to make up for the splurge. He was worth it, however. His friendship made her pain dull a bit, and for that, she wanted to show appreciation. When he knocked at the door, Alani checked herself in the mirror, fluffing her day-old twist out, trying to tame it a bit. She frowned because her fluffing just made it worse. She hurriedly pulled the hair tie off her arm and pineappled all the curls on top of her head. I get that reference. She hadn't had time to get super cute. She had just left class a few hours before. The long sleeve, black, maxi dress hugged her nicely, but it wasn't date material. Good thing this isn't a date. Thank God for just friends, she whispered. This was as good as it was going to get. When she heard the bell a second time, she hurried to the door. Call him a shot. He's going to think she's the most stunning thing he's ever seen. Even more stunning than Dolce, who he doesn't even like. Maybe not more stunning than Raven, but stunning, definitely stunning. Ethics stood there, dapper as ever, without even trying. The cow neck Ferragamo sweater, dark wash, denim jeans, and Prada shoes told her that this is as casual as he was going to get. I don't know, it's a Ferragamo sweater and Prada jeans, or Prada shoes, it seemed like he trying. He emanated grown man, even down to the scent of his cologne. Hi, she greeted. I didn't know what you drank, so I just brought wine. It's a 1999 Bordeaux, Ethic said as he handed her the bottle. Considering that I drink $10 Moscato, I'm sure I'll enjoy it. I'm not very hard to please, she said, smiling. Thank you. She looked at the box he held as well. I'm just going to say that I feel a certain sort of way about the fact that 1999 wines are considered vintage now. I just want to get that out there. Can I take that for you? She asked, unsure of what he was holding. Ethic was distracted. He had forgotten about the box he held in his hands. It was eerie being back inside Alani's house, and his mind kept drifting back to the sight of her daughter dying in his arms. I'm sorry. Uh Yeah, they're for you. I don't know the rules to this new school dating thing, so I brought these just in case it's still the thing to do, he said. He handed her the box that had the words Le Fleur" written on it in a fancy script. She opened it to find the most beautiful bouquet of roses she had ever seen. Wow, she said. They're so pretty. I don't think a gesture like this ever goes out of style. Thank you. She now felt guilty for not putting more effort into her look. He said the word date, she thought, suddenly anxious as she led him to the kitchen. Food smells good, Ethic said as he took a seat. You made all of this? He eyed the food on the stove. It had been years since he had a good old-fashioned meal. Lily was under strict instructions to keep him and his children on a lean diet. He didn't want the generational curses of high blood pressure and diabetes to affect his family. So instead, he was very strict on what he put in his body. He would cheat tonight, though. This type of food was made with love. Alania had put in a lot of effort from the looks of things, and a woman took pride in feeding a man. Mm. He sat at the table as she went to the stove to fix his plate. His eyes bounced around the room, taking in her home. It was where she was most vulnerable, where she hid the ugly parts of her from the world. How she lived would tell him things that her words would never say. Like the fact that the carpet was spotless told him that she was particular about people taking off their shoes. She had been polite by allowing him to wear his inside. The flourishing plants in the window told him that she had good energy because plants didn't grow around negative forces. Only light made them grow, and despite her circumstance, Alani illuminated without trying to. The way she kept her bathroom would tell him of her cleanliness, but he wouldn't snoop that far. He had discovered Dolce was trifling just by pulling back her shower curtain. Okay, but you... Still kept her around for 10 years. All right. Ethic didn't have those worries with Alani. He could tell from the way she kept her nails groomed, the back of her feet impeccably smooth, and the scent of almond in her hair that she was meticulous. She sat a plate of food in front of him and then took her seat across from him. She placed a cloth napkin onto her lap. I don't know how to deal with those thoughts, but they're not always true. I just want to put that out there. "'You're nervous,' Ethic said aloud. Alani lifted her eyes to his. "'I just don't invite people here,' she said as she looked around the kitchen, slightly embarrassed. "'Because you value your privacy or because you're ashamed?' he asked, frankly. "'I guess both,' she said. "'You own this house, right?' he asked. "'Yeah,' she answered. "'It's nothing to write home about, though. "'I bought it from the land bank with a tax return when my daughter was born. "'I moved around a lot when I was little.' My mama showed me exactly what not to do when I became a mother. She was a prostitute, still probably is, if she's still alive out there somewhere. We were always running out on the landlord, couch surfing with her friends, or staying with strange men. I hopped from school to school. I was always afraid because I didn't have a safe place to retreat to. I was always sleeping in someone else's bed, eating someone else's food. I didn't want that for my daughter, so I bought this place to make sure she always had a consistent roof over her head. As you can see, my budget wasn't very big, but at least she knew that she would sleep in the same place every night. A small one is still a win, Ethic replied. You own this house, this land. It's yours. There's no shame in that. If you did it with this house, you could do it with the one next door and the one next to that. Before you know it, you're a black woman with a whole block. With assets, this is the first step to building wealth. That's something to be proud of. I'm sorry about your mother, by the way. That had to be tough. Yeah, that's how you build generational wealth. That's how you build assets. Um, Ashley, Jaquavis. Um, can I call you Jaqu? I'm just gonna call you Jaja. Ashley, Jaja, Ash, Jaja. Um, did y'all buy up your whole block? Do you have generational wealth? I love hearing folks teach what they don't commit to themselves. If you got it like that, I'm proud of you. But if not, hmm. Also, makes me kind of mad that I might just have to read the second book in this because they haven't wrapped up anything and there's only 17% of the book left. That frustrates me. But I'm not going to leave y'all hanging. I mean, it's not going to be back to back. But I'm not going to leave y'all hanging. It was, she said. Her eyes on her plate but it made me stronger. She focused on her plate, scooping up a bite of homemade mac and cheese because she didn't know what else to say. The conversation had gone to a heavy place, bringing up memories that she didn't dwell on often. How is it that you're not taken, ethic? She asked. She cocked her head to the side, looking curiously at him as she lightened the mood. He chuckled. (laughs) It takes a lot to keep my interest. I've loved a great woman before. Not many women measure up, he said, honestly. Do I? She asked. Do you what? He asked. Measure up to this great woman, she asked. Ethics set his fork down. I don't know if anybody will ever compare, he said, honestly. Are we just, is that the only thing? Like not, he said, truthfully? He said, unabashedly? But honestly, okay. Well... You seem to really love her, Alani whispered. She's an idiot for letting you go. She's dead, he admitted. Alani dropped her fork, causing it to clang against the table as she covered her mouth. She had been so busy fishing for compliments, trying to gauge how he felt about her, that she had neglected to see the mourning in his eyes. I'm so sorry, he whispered. I didn't know. It's fine, he assured. She's my past. You're the present. She smiled at that. Tell me about your daughter's father, he said. Ethic knew that Cream wanted smoke, and sure, he wanted to know more about the potential threat that loomed over his head, but it wasn't a great concern of his. Ethic wanted to know the history of her heart, who had broken it, and what had yet to be prepared. What? The history of her heart, who had broken it, and what had yet to be prepared? What the fuck does that mean? Where is he? Alani grew uncomfortable, shifting in her seat he's not in the picture he's locked up but even before that happened we had our problems i loved him and he just walked all over me when you love someone you give them your heart to hold hoping they won't fumble it you trust him to keep it safe he didn't keep me safe he fumbled me every opportunity he got he cheated and lied and like an idiot i forgave him over and over again the crazy part is i'm not even that type of girl the one to stay after I feel disrespected, but he turned me into someone I didn't recognize. I was a crazy person with him, checking phones, emails, switching cards to follow him around the city just to catch him in a lie, all to reinforce what I already knew. I began to question myself. What was I doing wrong? What were other women doing that I wasn't? It became too much. He wasn't for me. And if he gets out, ethic pressed, He's getting out soon, actually, she said, confirming the information Messiah had already told him. But he and I will never be together again. It's not happening. I'm not weak enough to go back. Their conversation flowed from the complexities of their past to the simplicities of their preferences. Alani wasn't shy about asking 21 questions. She wanted to know everything about ethic, even down to the most trivial things like his favorite color. She hadn't ever met a man so gentle yet with an air of unspoken authority that told her he was massing great power. She spelled air E-R-R, which is the air with caution thing, like to tread with caution, like to, um, I don't know. She meant to say A-I-R. Why he would hide his gangster, she didn't know, but she was glad he didn't flaunt it. The subtlety of his dominance made her like him more. He was generous, yet somehow she knew he didn't lavish just anyone with the gift of his time or his money. How she had gotten him to come to her ghetto little house and break bread over what she was sure was a ghetto meal to him, she didn't know. But she was grateful for his company. By the time they finished talking, she had fed him two helpings and dessert. He stood and grabbed his plate, and he felt his dick jump as he watched her walk away. Okay behave he thought to himself this ain't that he knew he shouldn't even be in her proximity there was too much at stake for him to risk being this close to her this close to the dirt he had done but Elani was like a flame and ethic was her moth. it wasn't the obvious things that attracted him to her her body was average it was beautiful but far from perfect and evidence of her motherhood was present on her hips and thighs so I went and looked up a maxi dress cause I wasn't sure You know, I mean, my my wife rocks them and she looks amazing in them, but I never knew that they were called maxi dresses, but maxi dresses go all the way down to the floor. How are you seeing her hips and thighs? Are you saying that they're wide because she gave birth? Is that how this works? Like, are you saying she has meat on her bones? Like, I'm confused. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it must be. Um... He would bet his last that stretch marks covered her ample behind. It was exquisite, but her small waist let him know that her thickness had been a side effect of childbirth. The modest maxi dress she wore looked like lingerie wrapped around an ass like that. It sat on top of thighs that were made for wrapping around a man's back. Her waist was thin, and her face was pretty. Ethic was a man in position, so he had attracted prettier, but prettier had never attracted him. Ooh, that's deep. Her vibe was refreshing. It was authentic, and he was swimming in troubled waters. It was the little things about her that he appreciated. Her domesticity, yeah, I said that right. Her domesticity was refreshing to a man that lacked it. And then I fucked it up. Her domesticity was refreshing to a man that lacked it. She didn't want to be on the scene eating $100 dinners. She had invited him to her home, prepared the meal herself, or so he thought. And was now putting leftovers in old country crock bowls and using aluminum foil to cover them. Not bowls. Tubs, yes. Bowls, no. And also just keep the lid. Easier than using aluminum foil. We have so many lids in our drawer that I don't even know what they're all associated with at this point in time. We just mix and match. I hope they work. They all fit. Kind of. She was a black woman making shit work and the sight of her made ethics dick hard. He wanted to lift her dress, take her from behind and put babies in her because she was the type of woman to raise children well. How in the fuck do you know that? She literally just said earlier in this book that she did a horrible job with being a mother. I mean, I realized it was right after uh, Kinsey had passed away, but she was literally chastising herself for wanting to get a jeep and and putting her daughter in danger and all that kind of stuff. And I know that that was her blaming herself for her passing. But still, she made decisions. Like, she's not the best in the world. You can't just assume that because she got ass. Come on, fam. Then he remembered he robbed her of that opportunity. His eyes shot to the living room floor, to the bloodstains, and his guilt burdened him. He was disrespectful for even coming back. He stood. It's getting late, he said. As he walked up behind her, she placed all the dirty dishes into the sink. Yeah, my aunt will be back soon. I guess we should call it a night, she replied. She cut off the water and turned to face him. Instantly noticing his disposition had changed. He had opened up to her over the past few hours. But she could see that he had restored his guard. I'll walk you out. She saw Ethic to the door and he went in his pocket to pull out his wallet. He opened it and removed ten one dollars bills. He placed it on the hutch that sat near the door. To replace the money you spent on the groceries to prepare this meal. Thank you, he said. Ethic, that's not necessary, she declined. A man that have you cooking food he doesn't provide is not a man, he said. Somebody took note of that. Like they literally highlighted this part of the book. Okay. I'm all for it. If somebody invites me over to their house, says they're going to cook. I I guess. Like, I've never really thought about it like that. What do y'all think? Let me know. Lock up, he instructed, bossing around her own home. Alani felt cheated when he walked out without touching her. She needed his transference of energy. She was offended that he hadn't offered it and being the big mouth that she was, she had to let him know. Ethic, she shouted as she stepped out onto her porch with bare feet. He turned back. Every time you see me, I need you to touch me. It just makes everything better, she said as she approached him. I can't, Ethic declined. I won't be able to control my hands, Alani, and I can't offer you more than what I'm giving. Even this, tonight, was too much. Ethic saw no point in lying. He was running out of restraint with her. That's not fair. Why is this too much? She asked. I walk through every hour of every day feeling like I'm bleeding on the inside. It feels like I'm dying, and the only time it doesn't is when I'm with you. I'm fine with friends. I know you don't do the girlfriend thing, but I just need to feel your arms around me. This was getting too deep. He had taken things with her too far. He could see she wanted more from him, and he could handle that. What bothered him was that he wanted it too that she sued his ails as well. She was the... What? (laughs) Oh, autocorrect is on phone, so I don't know what happened with this one. She was the anecdote that he had been searching for and he couldn't have her. (laughs) She was crying as she walked up to him, lifting her hands to his face. She tried to touch his scars, and he pulled his head away, Slightly but her gentle fingertips coaxed him to allow her free reign. She cupped his face in her hands and enclosed the space between them, sliding her hands around his shoulders as he wrapped her in his embrace. She rested her forehead against his chest as she lowered her head, closing her eyes. God, this man is energy, she prayed. Please help him let me in. I've got to go, he whispered. She stepped back and nodded before rushing into her house because the last thing she wanted to do was watch him leave. You know, I really I love kissing my wife. I love being intimate with my wife. I love the moments where she uh, falls asleep with her head on my shoulder and um, the moments where she's just sitting there with her uh, glasses on uh, typing out something for her discussion board because she's still going to school, even though she's also nursing and doing all these wonderful things. Um, I think my favorite moments with my wife is when we touch. Um, honestly, it's when I give her a hug. She's so tiny. Like she's she's not tiny. She's like five seven, but she's so tiny. And she when we're hugging, she's like she like lowers her head. She lowers her head. So then the top of her head is directly at the level of my heart. And it's like she absorbs all the All the love and all the energy that I am putting out for her. She absorbs some of it. And I can see it healing her day. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm the best person in the world. But when my wife puts her head down, when we're hugging and and she puts her head down. And she just absorbs me. And I put my head into the top of her head if I can reach that far because she's short. And I smell the top of her head and just the beauty and and perfection and 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 imperfections and just her everything. And we fill each other back up. There's nothing quite like a partner who is with you, no matter what, who you can build with and cry with and and strategize with and scheme with and talk with and laugh with and celebrate with. And when she lowers her head, That's the moment. And it's not the same as when she looks at me. When she looks at me with those beautiful eyes. I don't know. I have a thing for glasses as is. And when she looks at me with those beautiful eyes behind those frames, it just frames my soul. Like she's just capturing me in a screenshot. And when she looks at me without those glasses, because she wears her contacts, she just looks at me and she just captures me in this state of just, I can't even describe it. Ethic and Alani can't have that place. They can't. They're literally trauma bonded at this juncture and Alani doesn't even know that they're trauma bonded. And that's unfair to her. But they're trauma bonding in these circumstances and that's never a healthy way to begin a relationship. And if you trauma bonded with your mate, with your significant other, with your spouse, with your friends, whoever it may be, you really need to look honestly at that relationship and see what it's built upon. It feels built on hating somebody and y'all both hate the same person or it feels built on y'all both having loss or if it's built on y'all both being single parents and can understand one another. That's something to begin with, but you have to build upon that. Otherwise, it's fragile and it's flimsy. And as far as building a relationship on hate, just keep in mind that the people who talk with you about somebody else will be more than happy to talk about you to someone else. Just a thought. Do I have to go? Bella complained. I made up all the work I missed. She's going to the debutante ball. And guess who's going to be her mentor? I made up all the work I missed. I haven't skipped any classes. I swear it won't happen again, Daddy. Please don't make me go to this. You're going, Bella. End of discussion, Ethic stated. Ethic knew that his daughter needed female mentorship. Participating in the church's debutante pageant would give her that opportunity. He was a man. There were certain things he couldn't help her with. And with Mo out the house, he didn't want Bella to have to figure it out on his own. He had to provide connections to women he could trust. If that meant going to church, then so be it. We don't even go to church, she moaned. It won't be that bad, Bella. Just give it a chance. How do he find out about the debutante ball? If they don't go to the church? Like, how did he get this information? I know he didn't get it from Nanny. How did he get this information? This is just all way too convenient. You know what I'm saying? So then even when there's not a place in his life for Alani, they'll become a place in his life because Alani and Bella will see each other and that will be the person she's mentoring. Even if she doesn't want to do it at first, they're going to end up being in that place. It won't be that bad, Bella. Just give it a chance, he said. She didn't speak with him the entire ride, but it didn't change his mind. As a single father, his worst fear was to have Bella be led astray due to his lack of guidance, so he felt this was necessary. He climbed out the car and then walked around to open the door for her, before leading her inside. I'm not even going to know anybody here. All the girls probably go to this church and already know one another, she mumbled. They followed the sounds of voices into the sanctuary and Ethic grabbed Bella's hand to lead her over to a woman that looked like she was in charge. Good morning. How can I help you? The woman asked as she smiled. I'm Alicia White, Ezra Okafor. And this is my daughter, Bella, he introduced. Bella gave a tight lip smile. Y'all need to know that my youngest daughter, her name is Bella. And Bella gives tight lip smiles when she's not happy. Like I can picture my daughter going through all of this because when it was just Bella and I, it was literally just Bella and I. Her mom and I split up. So I was a single father. And so I understand these moments with Bella. I understand this angst. Like when I started dating and the other person in the relationship had a daughter. I understand this angst, this situation. It's not making me smile, but it's making me see. Nice to meet you both. We're happy to have you participating this year, Bella, the woman said. She grabbed a piece of paper off the front pew and handed it to Ethic. This is a list of rehearsal dates. There are only two. Then why is there a whole list? Why'd you call it a list? These are the rehearsal dates. These are the two rehearsal dates. They are on this day and this day. Write them down. We didn't have to waste paper. We could have had one paper. Churches be wasting paper. Like, they just make these big... If you haven't been to a black church, oh my God. They make a four-page announcement bulletin. Like, they call it a bulletin, my people. Like, they... Oh my goodness, with everything in it. The uh, sick and bedridden, the announcements, uh, what the service is supposed to be like for the day, Um, anything that's coming up, the calendar for the church, how you can donate, like everything. Never put where the money's going, though. Tell you that much. You'll be required to wear an all-black suit for the father and daughter dance. Bella is required to wear a white floor-length gown. Bella's mother will also be required to wear white for the mother-daughter portion of the ceremony. I don't want to be in this pageant, Bella said as tears filled her eyes. Can we just go already? Bella was emotional and turned the storm off, but Ethic grabbed her by the wrist and pulled her into his chest. Did I say something wrong? the woman asked. We lost her mother when Bella was younger. Ethic stated in a low tone as he kissed the top of Bella's head. Oh, baby, I'm so sorry, the older woman said. But, baby, you have to participate. You're in God's house and his angels are watching. Nigga, please. What? Nigga, this is my first time being in the church. His angels? What? Fuck you. I'm sure your mother would love to see you dressed up and taking this passage into womanhood. We have mentors who volunteer to participate with the girls who don't have their mothers in the picture. Bella was sobbing, and he felt her shaking as he held her. The chatter from the other girls and the mothers across the room ceased as they all focused their attention on Bella. It was then he realized he was the only man in the room. Every other girl had a woman present, supporting them. Ethic could provide, and had provided a lot for Bella over the years, but nothing could make up for being a motherless child. Yep, that's what Ghostface Killer said. She bolted from the sanctuary, and Ethic turned to the woman. I'm sorry, he said, before going after his daughter. As soon as he made it to the hallway, he was shocked at the sight before him. Alani stood there, holding Bella as she cried hysterically on her shoulder. Confusion, empathy, and hurt resonated in Alani's eyes as she looked up at him. Did she have to kneel to hug Bella? Like, Bella's 12. Are they the same height? I have a million questions. "'Shh!' she whispered as she caressed Bella's head, gently. Ethic stepped towards them, but Elani put up one hand, stopping him, as if that one hand possessed some type of magic that cursed his feet from moving. Her other hand was wrapped tightly around Bella. It was a motherly embrace, a comforting one, one that Ethic knew his daughter needed. "'I've got it,' she said. "'Come on, baby girl,' she said as she whisked Bella into the women's bathroom." Ethic didn't know where Alani had come from, but he was grateful for her presence because his daughter was hurting and he had no idea what to do. Alani grabbed Kleenex from the sink and cut Bella's chin in her hand as she wiped her tears. That's not a lie. Black churches literally have Kleenex at the sinks instead of just having paper towels like regular people. They have paper towels too, but you can reach underneath the sink and they have these little dispensers with Kleenex. I guess they know they're going to make you cry. They're going to break you down. The ushers walk through the service with Kleenex and offering plates. They're going to break you. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Not here, you don't. Mm -mm. Take this Kleenex and have your breakdown. And then after that, get up and run around the church screaming about the name of Jesus and talk in tongues because the old woman next to you is doing it. It's never the guys who talk in tongues. It's always the the women... At church, who'd be like, Thank you, Lord. They throw in thank you, Lord, and thank you, Jesus, in small segments. Thank you, Jesus. Lord. Jesus. Jesus Christ. Holy Father. And then they throw in the other words Jehovah Jairus. Lord, thank you. No homosexuals in this church thank you lord jesus god bless me joe vajira and then they say stuff like the teacher the lamb holy jesus they sound like rappers it's great i sit there and watch people to have those breakdowns but yes kleenex in the black bathrooms at the churches not at home had to check no no kleenex in our black bathroom. It's okay to cry, Bella. Let it out, she whispered, as her own eyes missed it. There was so much pain in this little girl. Bella's entire body quaked. quake. I told him I didn't want to come here, Bella said, hyperventilating between words, trying to catch her breath. Everyone is in there with their moms. Mine is dead, and it's just not fair. Alani's heart throbbed in recognition, as she said, Oh, sweetheart, I know it hurts really bad being without your mother. I'm so sorry you have to go through that. There'll be lots of times when you just need her and wish she was there. But let me share a secret with you about mothers and their babies. We never leave. There's nothing that'll make a mother leave her child. Your, your mom left you? You were just telling Ethic about how your mom was a prostitute and had y'all sleeping on couches and all that, and you didn't know she was still out there in the streets because you hadn't seen her in a very long time. There is nothing that will make a mother leave her child. Even after every bit of air has left our lungs, we are still with our children. You can feel her, can't you? Alani asked. She pointed to Bella's chest. Have you ever had a decision that made you unsure? And a voice inside your head told you what to do? Bella's cries had dulled, but tears flowed still as she nodded. That's your mother, Bella. That's the part of her that she planted inside of you the day you were born. You want to know how I know? Bella looked up at her. Because I'm heartbroken, too. My daughter died, and I still feel her. I still talk to her every night when I pray, and she visits me every night when I dream. Alani was the one crying now. Now they were crying together. They related to one another. That's not... What? You want to know how I know that your mom talks to you when she's dead? Because my daughter, I talked to her... She's dead? I don't know the connection to that one was flimsy, but okay, it's a moment. It's just not fair, Bella said. It isn't, and you have a right to be mad, Bella. I'm mad too, and it isn't something that anyone understands if they haven't been through it. But I understand, and if you ever need to talk, you know your dad's a great listener, Alani said. He doesn't get it, Bella cried. Well, I know we just met, but I'm a pretty good listener too, and I like to be friends if that's cool with you. One thing about me, Alani paused to wet a paper towel she wiped Bella's face. Dry-ass, hard-ass, nasty-ass paper towels, too. Like... just, You wipe your hands and you get paper cuts. Okay. I'm a really good friend and I'm always there for my friends when they need me. I like that, Bella whispered. Now, listen. I never got to be in a debutante pageant before, and I'd love to be in it with you if you'd have me. We can make both my daughter and your mother happy, because I know that they'll both be there with us. I know I'm not your mom, but i really like to experience this with you. What do you think? Bella rolled her eyes to the sky and then closed them as she tried to compose herself. I can't believe I just embarrassed myself like that. Nobody's judging you here, Helani said. How about we go back in there together? Okay, Bella said. Alani held up a finger. One second, she said. She pulled out her concealer and nude color lip gloss and applied a little bit to Bella's face. Nothing like a little makeup to erase all evidence of tears, Alani said. Bella looked in the mirror and smiled, and then allowed Alani to escort her out. We're ready, Alani said with a smile, as she emerged with a hand around Bella's shoulder. The look of worry on ethics basis, he hugged Bella, moved Alani. There was nothing more attractive than a man that loved his children. Thank you, he mouthed. She nodded. Bella, we better get in there. We can't let these other duos show us up, Alani said with a wink. Alani said she'll be my mentor, Daddy, Bella said. If that's okay, Alani said, her brows dipping in concern, as suddenly she felt like she may have overstepped. Ethic nodded as he watched him walk back into the sanctuary. He entered moments later and took a seat in the back pew while he watched Alani interact with his daughter. She was so nurturing, so calming. At that moment, she was God-sent, and Ethic hated that he would have to give her back because the greatest sin he had ever committed had been against her. When the rehearsal was complete, both Alani and Bella were all smiles as they approached him. She didn't have to ask for his touch this time because right after he hugged his daughter, he pulled Alani close. Thank you, he whispered in her ear. The door behind them swung open and Alani's smile grew brighter. Oh, Nanny, perfect timing. <laughs> you should have shot the old lady. Oh, Nanny, Perfect timing. I'd like for you to meet my friend Ezra and his daughter Bella. Ethic turned to greet the woman, but as soon as she looked him in the eyes, the woman's face contorted on the left side as she mumbled, The man that he got killed, ma. The woman was speaking mumbo-jumbo as she staggered forward, her weight falling on Ethic. Nanny? Alani screamed in panic. Nanny had her mouth open in an oh of fear as she lay paralyzed in Ethic's arms. Nanny, somebody called 911. Isn't this all just convenient? If she dies, I don't know what I'll do, Alani whispered as she sat in the waiting room at the hospital. Now you killed them all. You should have just shot her while she was in the house. Alani whispered as she sat in the waiting room at the hospital, clasping her hands together. As she rocked back and forth in the chair, she'll come back and tell her at the end. Thank you so much for staying here with me. I know you have kids and... I'm not going anywhere. My nanny, Lily, can take care of my kids for the night. I'm right here, Ethic assured. He knew in his bones that Alani's aunt had recognized him. There was something about the look in her eyes that told him so. And he knew if she died, he would be responsible. I've got to tell you something, Alani, Ethic said. She looked him in the eyes, eyes wide and full of worry. But Before he could speak, a doctor walked into the waiting room. Lanika Hill? he called out. Alani jumped up. That's me. How's my aunt? Please sit, the doctor said. It felt like the ground was pulled from underneath her as she fell into the chair, preparing herself for the worst. Your aunt has suffered a major stroke. She's alive, but there was significant damage. She's in a coma, and her scans show very limited brain activity. Alani reached out and gripped Ethic's forearm. What does that mean? It means you have a decision to make. I don't mean to laugh, but ethic is so lucky. Since you're her power of attorney, you need to decide how we proceed from here. Right now, there's a machine breathing for her. You can remove her from life support and let nature take its course. Or you can keep the machine breathing for her. She's going to keep the machine breathing for her and she's going to wake up. I can't just unplug her. What if there's a chance she can wake up? Alani's voice was childlike. She felt three feet tall and defenceless against a world that wanted to leave her alone. The chances are very minimal, Miss Hill. If there was some motion of the lines of her CT, I'd be more hopeful. I don't believe she can recover from a stroke of this size. I'm sorry, the doctor said. Can I see her? Alani asked. Of course, the doctor replied. She turned to ethic. Will you come? Ethic leaned into her as he whispered, I don't think I should. Please, Ethic, she cried. I can't do this alone. She was distraught. Another hurt caused by him. Another life destroyed because of him. Okay, he said. She sniffed as she stood and they followed the doctor to Nanny's room. I'm going to be right here in the hall, Ethic said, feeling fucked up about being a part of this moment at all. Alani went inside the room. And when she saw the tubes coming out of Nanny's body, she turned right back around. She ran into Ethic's arms. Get me out of here, she cried. Ethic picked her up and carried her out of the hospital. He couldn't take her home and expected her to be alone, so he broke one of his rules and took a woman to his house. By the time they arrived, it was past midnight and even Lily had fallen asleep on the couch. Ethic went to wake her and then sent her home before escorting a to one of his guest rooms. She sat on the bed and Ethic kneeled on the floor between her legs as she placed her hands on his head, tracing the pattern of his waves, as he bent his head in despair. I'm sorry, Alani, he said. You'll never know how sorry I am. I need to be honest with you. There's no easy way for me to tell you this. Stop, Ethic, she whispered as she lifted his face and stared him in the eyes. I can't take any more bad news. I can't. It'll be the thing that breaks me. So whatever you're about to say, just please, I'm begging you. If you know it's going to hurt me, just don't say it. Okay, that's the out clause we're given. It's going to hurt me. So don't tell me about all the destruction you caused in my life that could end this right now through real communication. Don't do it. Alani, it's important. Just get out, she shouted louder than she intended. Ethic stood and backpedaled from the room, knowing he couldn't tell her now. It wasn't the right time. He would let her have some peace to mourn all she had lost. He checked in on his children, feeling guilty that they were tucked safely in their beds while everyone Alani loved was in peril. His mind was chaotic, his humanity challenged, and his spirit was destroyed. He wasn't a bad man, but then again, maybe he was. His actions were speaking loudly, drowning out his intentions. No matter what he did, destruction followed him. He had to discharge some of this negativity that was choking him. He retreated to his room and changed clothes before heading to the one place in his house where he could find peace. It's the Batcave. What are you doing here? Where are the people at? Tell me something, Joker. Joker. 916-633-1537, 916-633-1537, Wretched and Wretched at gmail.com, Wretched Book Club on Twitter, Wretched Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify, it takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser, copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts, and then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. $1 will get you a ton of content. Uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com SSCast or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to hot you later. Peace.